All right, welcome back everybody to a, another episode of the Kingdom Cast. We are going to be discussing a, um, an article. We want to talk about the, the Sunday morning model. We were both, I was recently and then shared with Jamie here, um, exposed to an article um, by, pronounce his name for me. Sky Jathani. Sky Jathani. Um, called The Case Against Sermon-Centric Sundays. And this should be an interesting one, considering Jamie's experience um, in churches of large and small stature. Yes. And um, just like the author of this article and the author of, of a book that kind of changed my life um, about 15 years ago, um, you know, he's a pastor, he's a preacher, um, I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher, and I like to preach. I like to study, I like to prepare sermons, I like to deliver them, I like to get people to think. Um, and what he is suggesting is that with, um, with a change in how technology has morphed communication again <laughs> um, since the onset of, of digital things and the internet um, that it's it's as um, profound as it was 1500 years ago when books <laughs> became a thing and uh, mass distribution after Gutenberg developed the printing press and if you do go back into history um, there is, and I've heard other authors say this as well, there is a shift in the way disciples are made when technology produces something that changes or enhances our communication. And so the author is, is basically stating the same thing, that we need to um, ponder and think about the effectiveness of a 30-minute sermon delivered to live people one time a week. Now, I've questioned that mode for a while, not necessarily based on um, on technology and the way communication has changed. I just know people. <laughs> and I know that you don't remember much when you hear it once. Um, I've actually, from time to time, you know, would ask my congregation, all right, um, who can even remember the passage that we talked about last week? Or who can remember the main point? And, you know, not to shame or guilt anybody, but nobody can hardly remember what we talked about seven days ago. Um, and most people can't remember what we talked about, you know, four or five hours after a Sunday morning sermon is over. And so, you know, I would pour 25 hours into a sermon every week to deliver a 30 to 40 minute message, which is basically ineffective past four or five hours after it's given because people can't um they they can't digest it and sometimes they're so oversaturated with stuff that a sunday morning live sermon is just one more bucket of water on an already saturated sponge right yeah absolutely and it's interesting being um of two different generations here um, because for me, you know, I, like many people, 30 something have an app on my phone 
where I am uh, subscribed to, I don't know, something like 70 plus, which is actually down. It's really lean for me. I was sitting at right around 100 for a good long while of different uh, podcasts that I was subscribed to. Not all of them Christian, not all of them sermons, but definitely a fair number of them being at the very least Christian in nature, but definitely, um, definitely some that were that were specifically sermons that were uh, some churches Sunday morning turned into a podcast, and so it's interesting. When you take a look at the the Sunday morning model, the model that is centered around the pastor that is, quote unquote, the star of the show at the front of the room speaking, you got your three, you got your three songs, you got your 35 minute sermon and you're good to go. Say your prayers. See you next week. Mm -hmm. And it's it's interesting how this this last several months have kind of shined a light on um how how that can be altered and how that can be that can be shifted and i kind of it's interesting for me because i came i came to this kind of backwards right i got a master's class in what discipleship looks like before i even realized what discipleship was was actually i called it mentoring but I didn't realize just how rooted in the core fundamentals of discipleship it was until two years ago-ish, when, when so many things that I had been exposed to previously started making sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and this, this um, proposition by Jathani, um, does not downplay the need for discipleship, like you're saying, and teaching, or even preaching, um, because that is a major tenet of what Jesus said to do at the end of Matthew 28, um, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So there's this teaching component. Jesus had a teaching component. Um, But his thought is that um, you know, one he well he actually had a had a uh, an example in the article of okay what if that what if that personality up there that everybody's drawn to that's that's speaking for thirty or forty minutes every week um, what if he trips and falls right and um, and and now and now people are like okay well. I'm not sure what to do with that, you know. I, I was I was banking on that guy, you know, um, and 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 all of a sudden you have a, a crack in the foundation of this person that you were putting a lot of trust in um, every week to go here. Well, you experienced that firsthand, where your identity became to some a bit more significant than than the identity of Jesus. Than, than, than God's identity to an entire church. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's, it's a misnomer that we have today where, and, and I say today, and I'm sure some somebody from a previous generation to me may be able to correct me that this is nowhere near 
a new problem or a modern day problem specifically, but with the expansion of media from what used to be uh, isolated, you know, if you didn't watch it live, you missed it sort of situations to most things are on demand, things are on YouTube, things are podcasted, you can go back and listen to over and over again. You've, you've seen this shift of these people that run churches, pastors, leaders, things like that. There's been this idolization of these figures at the front of the room. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the model of what we have for, by and large, we'll say, for, for what, you're, what is considered your standard American service, the uh, worship service kind of perpetuates this because mm-hmm. it's this mm-hmm. it's this um, format where Sunday is the main event of the week. It is the pit stop where you refill for the rest of the week and you go from Monday to Saturday from what you had the previous Sunday and hopes that you make it to the next Sunday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, now, so, no- now, some old old school ministry leaders and pastors, of which I think I've I think I've actually been in both camps <laughs> um, over the last thirty plus years. Um, I've had I've had old school ministry approaches and and emerging ministry approaches, contemporary. Um, they would not call this sermon centric. They would call this word centric. And um, that basically came out of the Protestant Reformation, where Martin Luther was saying to the Pope, <laughs> read the Bible <laughs> and, and tell me that what you're telling people is, is true or not true. And he was, he was pushing people back to Scripture, which was, which was the right thing to do. And, and out of that came a very Scripture-centered um, and, and that's what Jathani says, Protestant approach to, um, to Sundays or to public gatherings. And, you know, I can't, I can't argue with that. I mean, it, you know, you can't argue with the fact that, you know, we need to be centered on the word. Um, but <laughs> it, it, depending on what denomination you're a part of, um, some people are centered on the word. Some people are centered on the Holy Spirit. Some people are centered um, on communion or the Eucharist, um, which is what Jathani proposes that we should be centered on um, because you can't, um, you have to be there personally for it. You can't live stream communion. It just doesn't work. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's, there's gonna, I know there's pushback and, and maybe even some of our listeners would put pushback on it, but I, 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 I'm not downplaying the ministry of the word at all. It's just that we have, we are not in want for the ministry of the word in this culture. I mean, we can have it in the next five seconds if we want it, and we can have it from whoever we want to get it from. And what he's, what he's saying is, you know, should we be, should we be putting um, should we be paying a pastor <laughs> to, to work half a week 
to present something that maybe the pastor would be better off organizing and 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 systematizing something um, for the sheep that bring in good teaching from other places and then concentrate on and i'm not i can't remember the article well enough to know what he said to concentrate on but maybe there are other aspects of discipleship that have been ignored through all through this period that need to be addressed yeah um you know we live in a we live in a time where there's dozens of if not way more than dozens of different voices that are out there that will tell you do this don't do that pay attention to this don't pay attention to that and some of the very core fundamentals get lost in the shuffle when it comes to that we've talked about how discipleship is has been overcomplicated nowadays where you know discipleship courses are sold and you know five step plans are given when it can look as simple as just coming alongside somebody mm-hmm. going out to a cup of coffee you mm-hmm. know what i mean i understand there's there are some hurdles nowadays to physically going out to a cup of coffee mm-hmm. but you know ever since the lockdown started you know the first couple of episodes of the show were were live recordings where we were in the same room but it's been since what late march that since since we've done one of these live and mm-hmm. so it there the the power the technology is is there to be able to still disciple and still seek after that but the problem is is we're so focused on what it should be that there's no flexibility to that when you become rigid and it has to be three songs a sermon the prayer maybe a communion if it's easter or if it's every third sunday of the seventh month then Mm -hmm. you know and and you're good to go Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and to be honest with you this this um um, I, th- I think he's asking good questions, and I think this is something we really need to talk through, and the church will have to grapple with. Um, um, he, he's bringing he's bringing up that you know basically history is repeating itself with a a lurch, a strong lurch forward with communication and media and the way we communicate with each other, and that and that things are changing, whether pastors want to uh, um, admit to it or not they are changing yeah. um, just the fact that you know regular attendance is now considered two times a month yeah when when regular attendance 30 years ago was considered two times a week yeah. <laughs> and when I was a kid it was like four times a week <laughs> and so over the last 30 or 40 years it things have changed and 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 if we don't want to think about it, we just give this answer of where, uh, well, people are just apathetic. Uh, people just, um, the, the, you know, they don't they don't want to be committed like they used to. Where maybe that isn't the case. Maybe they are getting their content someplace else. <laughs> and like Jathani said, they they say, well, why why would I go hear somebody else, you know, on a Sunday when when I just listened to so-and-so and pastor so-and-so and preacher so-and-so, 
on a on a Thursday morning or uh, a Tuesday evening. Yeah. Um, and and again, this this um, this hits close to home because I like to preach. <laughs> I like to teach. I li I like that communication. And so um, part of me wants to say you're nuts <laughs> you know uh, we just have to keep doing it like we always did and, and pray it works this time you know but he does bring up some things that I think our culture has to has to grapple with well I've come to the uh, I've come to an interesting question over the last um, several months because I've had a I've had a, an interesting bird's eye view because even before I had an actual relationship with God. I had exposure to churches of small size, large size. I got saved in the Midwest's biggest church and then came back and rejoined a significantly, significantly smaller church. And so I've had an opportunity to have a catbird seat to the goings on of both sides. And the thing that I've come to the conclusion of is that it's it's not size specific. It's not that if if what you argue is large church, churches versus mega churches versus small churches, it, you're kind of missing something in in between. Because and and honestly, a big question that I have come out of these last couple months specifically with is why is it that we cling so tight <clears throat> why is it that we cling so tightly to the sunday morning model because for so many small churches sunday morning and by sunday morning i mean brick and mortar location i mean physical meeting i mean three three songs in a sermon because that's what you gotta do in order to be a church on a sunday morning that's the very cancer that ends up killing churches on a regular basis. Because when you look at what a church does, the thing that, at, or what a church should be doing, the thing that actually costs money is Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and if, and if that's all they're doing, if that's all they're doing, then you're right. It's going to die eventually. I don't know how long it'll take, but but it, but it'll die. If the only thing they're doing is three songs and a sermon on a Sunday morning, um, you know, we haven't even said the word kingdom yet, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> the kingdom of God is so much bigger than that weekly event. Yeah. Now, do I like that weekly event? For the most part, yes. Do I miss it during the pandemic? Yes. Um, do I think it has benefits to being together and 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 seeing each other and talking with one another and and, and and engaging in the word and worship and communion and whatnot, prayer? Yes, yes. Um, but the pandemic has said, can't do that for a while. <laughs> um, and even when you can do it, um, you can't do it fully, and even when you can do it, there are some people that won't do it until right. um, they feel most comfortable. So, are we just going to sit around and twiddle our thumbs, or 
how are we going to be creative with with um, technology? How are we going to be creative with? Okay, um, I guess this isn't all there is to the kingdom. <laughs> what else is there? And what what should I now be involved in? What should I be seeking at this point if I can't do what I'm used to doing? Right. And I think it's I think it's healthy. And this is one of those this is one of those occasions, guys, that you're gonna hear Jamie and I maybe come at this from a slightly different from two slightly because I come from a much different different background, and after the la the last couple of months, I I can look at this and say, I never need the Sunday morning model again. I think that there are some good things about it. Absolutely, I think at its core, there are some good things, but it's a crutch that's used for a lot of people when there's alternatives. And like you said, the kingdom of God is so much bigger than a building, than a weekly event, than three songs and a service. And it's an intro, I come from, an, I'm coming at it from a very interesting point of view because I'm currently in the process of talking to a, a small collection of the saints saying, okay, how do we make this thing that the pandemic bore, uh, uh, bore out into something that looks more like the Book of Acts than it does the American church? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we recently, this, this week, we're just talking about um, the fact that, you know, we, yes, the church, Christians, should be you know, being the church to the loving your neighbor, regardless of the global situation, but they're playing our song. Like they're literally, it's time, it is time for us to get up on stage. You know, just because there's things opening back up, just because that it, it seems like we're heading towards a more, you know, easing the restrictions and all of those kinds of things. The reality is still, is still out there and very significant for a large portion of society, either by choice or by necessity. And so it's as simple as seeing what your elderly neighbor needs, seeing what you can do for the community, not just, oh, I'm gonna do the obligatory soup kitchen thing, nothing wrong with volunteering at a soup kitchen, but <laughs> it can look way more dynamic than that and so that's the question that we are starting to pose for our micro church and it's funny this week i heard uh when i when i read this i i read again this name francis chan and i'd heard the name in passing in conversations and all that kind of stuff i'm like okay i should probably figure out who this dude was or who this dude is <laughs> you know what i mean because i hear people quote him and i and i I can tell that there's probably people out there that are like, oh, microchurch. The 30-something is doing a microchurch. How original of you. How very <laughs> Francis Chan of you. And I to say, this thing was born before I even know, knew who that dude was. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I get it. I get it. Um, I, yeah, I think, I think the pandemic is causing, should cause us to rethink some things. 
And one of the um, subtitles that uh, is in the article that, that we're referring to, um, he says, changing the discipleship model. Now, that assumes, and, and I think he is assuming, that most churches' discipleship model is based on if people show up on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, I can tell you right now, my friends, that was not Jesus's model. He did not put all of his eggs in the basket of, man, I hope they show up on the mountainside today. Right. Because if they don't, they're going to miss something. No, 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 no. I mean, you, you have to read between the lines a little bit, but, um, you know, in between the events that are recorded in the Gospels, um, you know, it'll say sometimes, and Jesus uh, got up the next day and went to such and such town. All right. Now, if it were today and we were going from point A to point B, like Jesus was going from point A to point B, um, we would get in a car right. and it might take us half an hour to get there. <laughs> Okay, Jesus's point A to point B was three days. And he had his boys tagging along. And that's when, that's when conversation happened. <laughs> that's when illustrations happened. That's when, that's when they would go through a field and Jesus would point to a sparrow and say, you know what, my father cares whether or not that sparrow lives or dies. And if he cares whether or not that sparrow lives or dies, don't you think he's going to care so much more about you? Yeah. You know, that wasn't necessarily always in sermon form. <laughs> that was on the road, going from point A to point B, looking at different things in nature. Jesus, you know, the parable of the farmer and sowing the seed. Maybe they were walking by a farmer's field. Right. And he said, ah, this is a good time to talk about this. All right, that was his discipleship model. Yeah. And 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 we've we something's gotten lost in translation. Yeah. <laughs> and our author here assumes that something has gotten lost in translation if changing our discipleship model um, means that we're not going to be, you know, um, gathering centric, you know, Sunday centric, sermon centric, because right. I that. If, if we've reduced it to that, my friends, something's terribly wrong. It's, I think it's been part of it, a small slice of it, but not, not the whole of it by any stretch. Right. It's not like, you know, these things, not trying to make it sound like inherently these things are bad, like the Sunday morning deal and all of that. At its core, it's a collection of the saints. That's, that's what Saturday nights are. For, for us, it's a small gathering of the saints. So at its core, kind of the same, th the, the same thing. Now, what we do while we are collecting as the saints is not reflective of three songs in a service. It's, very, it's much more um, specifically Bible-centric when, when I say word-centric um, and, and, and a specific lack of sermonizing. Um, but with something like this, real life 
you know, you 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 hear you hear a trend as we talk as we talk here. The examples that we give are not examples that happen on a Sunday morning. They're examples that happen in real life. In a previous episode, I had talked about this awesome moment where my brother and I were having a conversation, and he's like, "Man, how do you know? How long have you known these guys that helped you move?" Well, I've known him for like three weeks. I've had a conversation with him like three times. And these were all guys that helped me lug stuff up 87 flights of steps. And it was a 70 70 plus year old man that was putting the 30 somethings to shame. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and and that's, that's the kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's not when, when we loosen the grips of what we think it should be, Holy Spirit will start to identify other oper- like more opportunities for us to be able to move and grow and act and be because we've stopped telling God what it needs to be and started listening to opportunities where it can be. Right. And it goes back to, again, what Jesus said at the end of Matthew 28. He did not say, teach them everything I've commanded you. He said, teach them to obey everything I commanded you. And my friends, you know, if you've been walking with God for any any amount of time, um, you know, five, 10, 15 years, whatever, we, we know, I mean, we know what the word says. <laughs> and most of the time we don't need a preacher explaining it to us. Um, And again, that hits close to home. That hurts my heart a little bit because I like to explain it. Um, But a lot of the things we don't actually need um, sermonized about, we need to be taught how to obey it. And how to obey it means being given opportunities to obey it. And that's where I think the, the church discipleship has fallen short giving people the opportunities to succeed and fail (laughs) at what jesus taught us to do and a righteous man will fall down seven times and get back up that's part of discipleship um not just sitting and having more sermon water poured on our already saturated um spongy heart and mind that just can't take another drop i mean we we have to squeeze it out and i think that's where we've fallen short we're we're not squeezing our sponge out in ways that show that we are obeying everything that we're being taught right and you you raise a very good point when you say that you know uh, the the righteous man falls down seven gets up gets up eight you're not gonna know not every single thing that you do is going to resonate and stick. You're going to make mistakes along the way. You know, that's where, where we are. We're, we're discussing, we're formulating, we're thinking, we're praying, we're, we're, we're consulting God. And, and obviously we, we look to him for advice, but it still is us that, that it is our job to act in the here and now and and be the hands and feet in the here and now and does that mean that the first thing that we think of to do 
the first the first idea that we have is the thing that sticks and the thing that's perfect and works 100% of the time no but that's okay and if you're in relationship with more than one person and I'm sure you can speak to this Jamie that what is for one person might not be for the next person mhm mm mhm mm no it, you're right it's it's very it's it's very difficult to have a one size fits all sermon right <laughs> um and that's why that's why I've always thought it's been important for me as a pastor shepherd discipler to meet with people one-on-one -on -one. yeah and you know what that's maybe what pastors should start doing now yeah. is 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 meeting people one-on-one -on -one and saying you know how, how can I how can I come alongside you and and help you um, obey everything that Jesus has taught us because th their context is is going to complicate it <laughs> a little bit and and those you know you know three points of poem and an application at the end of a sermon um is is a is a little generic you know to generalize everything for everybody's situation um you're bound to have people out there going well gosh he's not living my life he has no idea what's going on in my life. Right. Um, you know, not, not as an excuse, because I think genuine disciples don't offer excuses, but there are, there are obstacles along the way that need to be kicked out of the path that are different for everybody. I don't think it was a mistake that the, that the sermon that, um, that I, I was a part of, well, a part of in the, in the audience for, that led me to that, conversion moment was a pastor standing up on stage being carte blanche honest hey guys if you think that you are somehow less than by having random panic attacks about a lack of faith and dying and what if you're wrong and all of those kinds of things that there's not there there's no there's no coincidence there that it was that raw real outpouring that resonated with me it wasn't okay so we're going to talk about psalm 87 and here's your three pieces and the nice the the nice um sentence that's up on the screen with the fill in the blank statement and all of that that has so ingrained itself into the very nature of what a Sunday morning looks like. And that is why I will go as far as to say that with the sermon-centric Sunday morning model, there are so many churches that are starving people to death. Mm -hmm. they, it's, it's impossible for a lot of people to be able to get something out of it because you cannot one size fits all God. And when you do this, when you do the sermon that's supposed to be applicable for everybody, you one size fits all God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, um, again, this, this hits a nerve for me because <laughs> that has been my livelihood for a long time. Yeah. And, um, 
And at its core, like you said a little while ago, these are not these are not wrong things. Okay, um, I've I've learned a lot from preachers. I've learned a lot from teachers when I've listened to them. Um, they're giving out valuable information. They're giving out valuable truth that we need to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's may I, here's where I may tweak or think a little bit differently than than what you just said. Um, if yes, if that's all they're doing, if that's all they're doing, then they're then they're shoving, you know, they're shoving a whole bunch of stuff into a little funnel and just trying to cram it all in that one piece and if that's all they're doing then yes all right if it's if it's a portion of what they're doing if they admit that this is not all there is if they're still engaged in it but they admit that this is not all there is and if you're putting all your eggs in this basket you know you're going to be in trouble um if they admit that this is not all there is, then they better, we better be doing something else the other six days of the week to engage people in the kingdom yeah. and how to, how to relate to a world through a kingdom lens. And because I, I fear that some people are walking out of a church on Sunday morning going, um, yeah, preacher, that's all that's all good but (laughs) um but you're not living my life you know and and i i'm gonna need i'm gonna need a little bit more help than that and maybe that's what sky jathani is suggesting in his article that um that we need to we need to be focusing on something more than um you know, scattering a bunch of seed and just hoping it lands somewhere fertile. Yeah. Um, we have to be more intentional with with how we are discipling people. One of the best things that I ever heard a pastor say, and and it totally blew my mind because I had never thought about it in such basic terms, was that you don't you don't need the pastor's permission to do things and to get involved in each other's lives and to be the church. That's part of the, the, that's, that's part of the issue that a lot of people have when they're sitting in the pulpit saying, okay, well, I don't know if I should do this. Should I, I'm going to ask the, I'm going to ask the pastor, I need the church's permission in order for me to go out there and do this or do that. And it just, it doesn't, when you really, when you really exercise that and you really poke and prod that it's not long before you start to find the holes in that logic. But to go back to the church model, just about everything has a paid position or an appointed position or a class or something, something around it, some kind of organized structure, which is fine-ish at its core, but one person can just get to know another person over coffee. Mm-hmm. One person can see a need and just go after that need. It doesn't have to be an organized thing. It doesn't need a class 
and it certainly doesn't need a pastor leading the charge. Yeah, one one of the things that I used to tell my people when I was pastoring was, I would love to start hearing about things happening that I didn't know were happening. Yeah. Um, I would love to hear through the grapevine that so-and-so helped so-and-so, or that even so-and-so is having a Bible study in their house, you know? This is not a competition with what the pastor's plan is and vision and strategy is for the church. In fact, when I was pastoring, I kind of abandoned all that. Um, I gave the vision back to the people, not not for the church as a whole, but I gave the vision back to the people for their own life and to, and to start thinking um, critically about it, to start thinking intentionally and creatively about it, instead of always leaving it up to the pastor to create some glorious vision and mission and then try to get everybody to hop on that bandwagon. Right. Because to be honest with you, 10% will, 10% won't, and 80% will only do it if it fits into their life. Yeah. And you know what? Um, that got very, very, very um, discouraging for me and tiring. Yeah. And at one point, I just said, you know what? Um, my vision is that we're all going to be fully functioning citizens in the kingdom of God. Yeah. And you have a lot of responsibility in that. <laughs> it ain't just me. And um, I, I gave them permission to dream. I gave them permission. Yeah, like you said, you know, they don't need permission. But I was, I was almost handing the responsibility back to them and saying, you're smart. You're intelligent people. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, you're functional. You don't need to be spoon-fed and led around by the hand by me and saying you can do this or do this or do this and you can only do this and if you do this you're going to be you know whatever um you know I, I hopefully i don't i didn't i didn't stick around long enough to see that totally flourish but i am i am now a little bit i'm seeing some of those people flourish good and giving um giving their own their own heart and their own desires and their own passions a chance to to gain some traction in the kingdom um, outside of you know XYZ church with ABC pastor with right. who knows what mission and vision yeah yeah um, so to to wrap it up here I I just I want to I want to convey this is not meant to be a giant dump session on you know your you know if you're listening to this and you take umbrage because your church is the church that's different I'm, we're not we're not trying to attack the church here but what we're trying to do is start start to to explore and massage some of these concepts that are held in such regard and in such statue that they have to be this way and say why why do they have to be this way why is this the only model that that has to work and then point back to the bible and what jesus himself said about some of this stuff Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what, what seems antiquated to us now was at one time cutting edge. Mm -hmm. um, if, if, if Martin Luther would have said, books are, 
books are evil. There's too many books out there, you know. Um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to mass produce um, anything I have to say. Right. Um, like Jathani said, the, the Reformation would have been localized. Yeah. It would not have been kind of a universal um, earthquake. Martin Luther said, I'm going to use the technology at hand to get the truth out. Um, you know, radio. What, that seems very antiquated now. But, you know, preachers were like, wow, I can, I can get more people to listen to me if I go on the radio or if I go on TV. And, and now that's even happening more with the onset of, you know, um, the internet and, and podcasts and live streaming and whatnot. But, um, but that, that has to cause pastors and churches to think about how that's changing what we have done for, you know, years and years and years and years and years. Right. You know, it, it, it can't be just an addition. It's I think it's actually a shift that we have to say, okay, this is shifting whether or not I want it to shift or not. Yeah. And and if I still want to make disciples of people that are only coming to church two times a month, then what am I gonna do? Because I can guilt them into coming three or four times a month, but is that really gonna make any difference? Right. Um, is it going to make any difference if they come three or two times a month or four or two times a month? I think what this whole pandemic and, and technological advancement is doing is making us rethink, all right, <laughs> here we go again. Um, how can we do what Jesus told us to do most effectively? Right. And it's important to remember that just because the guy in front of the stage is the guy that's paid to be there, doesn't mean that it's solely and completely his responsibility or the, their responsibility to um, to be the the only one that's doing it. Because I think we we fall into the category of well, you're you're paid to do that. That's that's your job. Why would I do your job that you're being that you're being paid to do? And if that's the paradigm that you're looking at it from, you're missing something. Mm-hmm, 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 absolutely. So with that, as always, be blessed, guys. We love you, and we'll see you soon.